Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. Well, I apologize. Uh, apparently, I sound even worse than I did this morning. <laughs> Our receptionist here at work, I came in after having a after having a sore throat yesterday and uh, all near laryngitis this morning. Slept it off a little bit. I feel better, but she came in and she's like, "You sound worse than you sound worse than earlier this morning." I'm like, uh-oh. But I feel better and it doesn't hurt to talk anymore. So, here we are to do another Elwood City Limits podcast. And I'm locked in a room with you. That's, so, that's right. You it's could, all good. You could have said no, but here you are. <laughs> no getting out this time. Click, click. You're locked in with Will Young and Lucas Mancini. Lucas, I hope that you avoid this as much as possible. I don't, you know, I'm not going to touch you or anything. You know, like I'm normally pawing at you That's when right. we record the podcast. Touching my face like we're in face-off. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not going to do that this time. I really care about your health. <laughs> Thanks uh, for joining us for another episode here in Season 2 of Arthur. Before we get into all of that, let's turn to the emails. Maybe we should start getting like an email jingle or something. Or like a mailbag or think of a name for it. The Elwood City Postal Service. Oh, yeah, there you go. All off the top of the dome, first try. Not bad, not bad. That's what a nap can do for you, kids. Okay, so we have an email this week to elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. This one is from Cat. Hi, my name is Cat. My lovely sister, Beatrix, recommended me this podcast a while back, and I just caught up Thursday evening. I think I have a few insights that might help you out. Do you know about living books? I owned a lot when I was a kid, two of them Arthur games. I know one of you, Lucas, I think, said that you'd be really into playing Deep Dark Sea from Arthur's Computer Disaster. Uh, I'm happy to report that in the Living Books version, Arthur's Computer Adventure, there's a minigame of Deep Dark Sea itself. This is all sounding very familiar, actually. Oh, really? Because I, 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 a part of me, when I said that, I was like, did I actually play something that was Deep Dark Sea, or was it just like flashback for the Genesis? But no... I think I did have a few Arthur Living books of my own. Oh, really? Look at you. I remember loving playing it, but I could only play on easy because the skeleton scared me. <laughs> They're still there, though. They're just easier. <laughs> the Living Book CDs I own are either well past, too, too scratched up to play, or in the possession of my brother, who I think loves them more than I did. Just thinking about the mini games in Arthur's Computer Adventure and Arthur's Reading Race makes me want to play them again. I wonder if they can run on more modern computers. You'd probably have to get, like, what? DOSBox. DOSBox? Do- they'll totally run with DOSBox, though. Yeah? Uh, we just need to get them on the Steam Pajama Sam style. Good old games. Good old games. Log on to GOG. Get your living books. That's I always forget what GOG stands for. Also, you guys mentioned a drawing program much like MS Paint, but with sound effects, but you couldn't remember the name. Was it Kid Picks, perhaps? Common screen caps have a more rounded, toyish look to the UI, but the version I owned was a little older and had a much more straight pixel UI. There were all sorts of tools with stamps and mosaics and brushes that had bubbly lines. I don't quite remember, but I also owned Crayola's Make a Masterpiece, which might have been similar. Uh, I just took a quick look at uh, Kid Picks. I'm not sure that was it, but... Uh, I think it was you who had the yeah, program. Yeah, I took a look at it. That was at our school. Uh, at least with Kid Picks, I'll have to take a look at Make a Masterpiece, but I'm not quite sure that was it. The podcast has been really fun so far. Thanks for having this journey with me, your American pen pal, Urs Cat. By the way, they mentioned that if we ever do any extra episodes on PBS Kids shows again, uh, Sogwa, the Chinese Siamese cat. Do you remember that one? I, this is I have to reach way back in the old memory banks. I, 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 I think, I think I might just be tricking myself into thinking I remember it, but I, I kind of remember it. Okwanyo, okwanyo, sagwa shiwana, okwanyo. Okay. Sagwa, you're my best friend. Oh. 
okay. Oh, and then there's the little the breakdown. Dun, 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 dun. Sagwa. And you know what? That reminds me of what was the dragon show? With dragon the, Tales. Dra- dragon Tales. Coming like, up next on Dragon Tales. I feel like Dragon Tales and Sagwa were like in the block together. Like they were yeah, back to probably, back or probably because I associate that song with the Dragon Tales for some reason. All right, so let's get into this episode of Arthur. Thank you for the uh, email, Urs. Appreciate that. Uh, we're starting with Binky Barnes, art expert. So we the cold opening is them making clay sculptures in art class. Did you do any clay sculpting in your art class? Uh, not until like junior high I no? did clay sculpting. Did you ever play uh, with Play-Doh? Uh, of course. Spent a lot of time eating Play-Doh. As how's, well it t- how's it taste? I've never eaten Play-Doh. It's just salty. Uh, usually what happens to Play-Doh is if you leave it out of its little container, it dries up. Yes. Uh, and it just, it tastes salty. So. And I mean, they would always have those ones, with, like the Play-Doh play sets where you can like make hamburgers and fries and stuff. Mm. I'm like, that's just a lie. That's not the real thing. <laughs> or is it? Maybe it's not. It's like the Easy Bake Oven or something. I was, ne- I'm, I'm never, I'm not really good with my hands, so I was never good at making clay. So I never really played with it. Play-Doh have you or- seen Ghost? Good. No, I haven't seen it, but I know. Oh, what you're really? About. Okay. I haven't seen the movie. I just, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, no, never did that either. <laughs> we uh, have ourselves an art project. They're going to be taking a field trip to the Elwood City Art Museum, which everybody's really excited for because field trip, of course. And they're going to be split off into groups, some nice group work to do uh, a presentation on one of the works of art. So Arthur and Buster get paired together with Binky Barnes. So, which they are very apprehensive about. They are, uh, and there's this great moment where, like, Arthur and Buster are kind of together, and they're like, well, maybe Binky just won't care, and we could do our own thing. And he, like, Binky puts his arms around both of them, sticks his head between their heads, and he's like, they make his enthusiasm super ominous. He's like, I can't wait to get started, I you got guys. lots of ideas, pals. <laughs> lots of ideas. Uh, they also have a uh, cutaway here to Binky, who is on his throne in the middle, like in front of an open fridge in Arthur's place as Arthur and Buster are working like dogs to get this project done. And he says, work harder. I want an A plus or better, as he literally has like a leg of mutton that he's eating. thought that was pretty funny. Uh, the episode begins with them going to the uh, to the art museum. There's a real sweet baseline going during the <laughs> during the tour. It's just like them going and seeing different sculptures and paintings and stuff. Like, it's pretty awesome. It's a crazy museum too. Like I've been to my share of art museums in my day, even some pretty famous ones like the MoMA or something. Uh, and this is like a huge installation. Yeah, uh, there's all these like. Well, I'm sure the animators, they jumped at the chance of putting a lot of real art exhibits into this episode. There's tons of Easter eggs like that. Uh, Not even actually. They put them into plain sight. Yeah. But it makes the whole facility seem kind of crazy when we go to all (laughs) these different themed rooms and exhibits. Uh, It seems huge for one. Yeah, at points it kind of looks like it's laid out like the castle in Super Mario 64. Yeah, that's a good... Like there's an outdoor part with a fountain and I'm just like, where's the booze? How do I get into Boo's haunted castle? They, Arthur and Buster are having trouble picking something, but then Binky like carries them over to his choice. And I knew that I knew what painting this was. Like I'd seen it before, but I, I took the liberty of looking it up. It is com- I did as well. Composition two in red, blue, and yellow by uh, Piet Mondrian. And I probably slaughtered that name. He's Danish, right? He's a Danish painter who immigrated to the United States. Sure. Um, and I, I'm glad that you figured out the specific painting because he has a, a famous series of paintings. They're all the the red, blue, and yellow compositions. Yeah. Uh, and they all kind of look like this motif. Uh, but it, <gasps> I, I couldn't find, during my research, I couldn't find the exact one with the right. exact same square. So I'm glad you figured it out. It's composition two. Thank you to the Arthur Wiki for that uh, one. So Binky's whole thing is that he believes that the painting is sideways. But of course, Buster and Arthur not buying into it because Binky doesn't really have any proof. He just seems to know that it's sideways. Also, if you haven't watched the episode, it's modern art. It's a bunch right. of lines and some squares. And so it's pretty subjective yeah. in which way is the right side yeah. up, you, unless you had seen it before. Right. Like, who's to say? It, like, if it's sideways, maybe it's better that way. Who knows? Also, quick note, um, I'm sure the 
animators just wanted to use a real life famous abstract painting. Yes. But I thought it was interesting to think, I wonder if this gives us a clue where Elwood City is once again, going back oh. to that old mystery. Okay. Uh, because composition two uh, currently is in the Philadelphia Museum of Ooh, Art. So, I've, been, I've been there. Oh, really? Well, sort of. I went there to use the bathroom. <laughs> you didn't happen to pass by. They didn't have it hanging over one yeah, of the I'm, afra- I'm, af- I'm afraid I didn't. Uh, I saved my money that day. I ran up the rocky steps instead. Arthur trying to convince Binky that it's not sideways. Like it even has, he has a, even has a book and Binky's just like, that's wrong too. I'm like, all right, uh, got to go to Admire's convictions. Arthur says they don't hang painting sideways. They're experts. Right. Uh, this whole situation I found is very Seinfeld. Like that's the vibe I got. Yeah? Like Binky's sort of inhabiting sort of a Kramer problem here where he's like, okay. nobody <laughs> believes him. And he's like, Oh, I'm telling you there's a pig man. Uh, Kind of a similar kind of scenario where it's like, I'm telling you, the painting sideways. Jerry, the painting sideways. You know, the you, painting's not sideways. You know, if you think about it. They're you, experts. You know, if you really think about it, it could be very much like Buster is Jerry, Arthur is George, <laughs> Binky's Kramer, and I guess that makes Francine Elaine. Huh. If you if you really want to. It's not a one-to-one Yeah, it's thing, not a one-to-one. But... I'm not sure if Buster's a Jerry, <clears throat> but... I think, but depending I just think, on I the just, episode, either Arthur or Buster. I just Jerry. think, yeah, I think Arthur can be more of a George sometimes with For the glasses, sure. but he can like he, fly off the handle. He's he's definitely more manic. Arthur's getting upset. But this episode does like <coughs> almost perfectly fit into that Seinfeld into the greater sitcom formula yeah. of one character is sure of something, and because of that character's prior behavior, nobody believes them. Exactly. Uh, they're most afraid of that Binky will get them laughed at. Uh, and of course they think like he's, uh, they're not convinced that he really knows what he's talking about. So they're just going to go and present Binky's thesis and they're going to get laughed at. There's literally like a cutaway of Binky being like, and as everyone can plainly see, the painting is sideways. Everybody in the class starts laughing, including their art teacher, Ms. Bryan, who is literally on the floor, like laughing her buns off. The delivery of this line is so good too. It's uh, do, here, you go ahead, you do it. Uh, well, I'm not sure if I wrote it down exactly right, but she's like, Arthur, Buster, <laughs> you fail. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you fail, like really straight up. It's hardcore. But of course, Arthur's anxiety is coming to the front here. But Arthur posits that they shouldn't have to. There's two of us and one of him. We outvote him. So I decided to do a little bit of role play here uh, to see how the situation would go. Again, to- this is like another very, I just, this is such a funny situation. <clears throat> And it's so playful to do this with the characters, like so, having them imitate Binky. Like yeah, this. so Arthur gets on top of a box and like takes his glasses off and pretends to be Binky. And Buster pretends to be himself and Arthur <laughs> by simultaneously putting on and taking the glasses off. Uh, so they're both like, you know, we're not going to do that report, Binky. And then Arthur just puts on this mean voice. Again, uh, I thought of, you know, Buster doing Arthur and Arthur doing Binky, a voice actor's act like being their voices acting as other voices. So just, We're going to do it my way, understand? <laughs> and they immediately crumble. Buster crumbles as both Arthur and Buster, just like, well, you said do it exactly like it had happened. So they're they're really uh they're really they're really beta in this episode. Oh my goodness. If you if you want to say that, which if you don't want to, I understand. Uh Francine says later says, just tell Binky how you feel. What's the worst that can happen? He's just really big and very strong and kind of mean which uh, i think this only doesn't work because we've watched every single episode up to this point this episode taking out of context of the rest of the arthur seasons yeah uh it works perfectly we know more about binky than this episode thinks we do we know that all of that's kind of empty and the kids should know all that's kind of empty at this point but uh this episode does work outside of that context for sure uh francine also has a great line where she's like she, they just threw this in because they wanted to make this joke, but Francine says, make like a cow skin and hide. Yeah. But um, bum A lot more about cow hide to come in this show. Arthur imagines what will happen when they tell Binky they don't want to do his report, and his, his worst case scenario is Binky throws them into, he fastball specials them into space, <laughs> uh, which they almost hit a satellite. But of course the brain says, 
that uh, Binky could never throw you hard enough to reach escape velocity. And Buster's like, that's a load off my mind. <laughs> yeah, Buster Buster seemed so worried, and then he's like so relieved. He's like, oh, thank goodness. This is actually- this episode never happened. <laughs> this episode is how I learned what compromise meant, because Brain suggests that. And I did not know what compromise was before- we do that, where it's, you know, you take what, some of what you want and what some of what they want and then put it together. You and Congress. Hey! hey. But There's those Ameri- Tip your waitress. There's those American jokes you guys love. <laughs> There's another funny thing here with Binky after they say compromise, where he's just, uh, you know, it's like, I found a painting that's completely upside down in this book. And Arthur just like, you've got the book upside down. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Just to further make us believe, because at this point, I guess we're supposed to agree with Buster and Arthur, like, I think Picky's totally off his rocker here. Yeah. He totally can't tell which paintings are upside down and not. Arthur says something interesting here. He see, he says, Binky is the laziest kid in the whole school. And that just made me think, is he? <laughs> like, are we sure that Buster isn't? We had a whole episode about how lazy oh, no, Buster, Buster is. B- Buster's not necessarily lazy. He just <laughs> has trouble paying attention. I also think that that's probably the same for, I don't think B- Binky's necessarily lazy Either, as we can tell, when he's interested in something, he's actually very determined and a very good worker. He's Uh just not interested by the subjects at school. For sure. But to Arthur's young perspective, it would make sense just to wipe them all with the same cloth and be like, oh, he's just lazy. Yeah. So Arthur and Buster begin the goof-off protocol as they're in the treehouse. Now, this – so obviously we're in a – well, sort of. We're in a pre-widespread internet phase here. We're in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. Did we really read joke books all this much? Gosh. When I was we were th- kids? You know, I was thinking something similar. I don't think I've ever enjoyed a joke book ever. Like, they're horrible. Yeah. Terrible, terrible stuff. But I think I had joke books when I was a I, little kid. I remember I had one joke book that was like, all the punchlines were in like, British English. And so some of them didn't make sense. And then I was just... <laughs> it, the punchline was like, and then he bought some crisps. It was just like... I, uh, Cheeky Nando's? Was that a punchline? <laughs> no, I don't know if Nando's was a thing at this point. But just like, what do you call a man who's got, you know, a uh, a police baton? Ivor Truncheon. I'm like, what's a truncheon? I don't get it. Oh, like, just, just still, like turning the book vertical to see if I can understand I it. I still don't get it. No, it's it's really. And then like. One, one of the jokes was just like, oh, I've buried enough Wayne's Master Bruce. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> like, I'm laughing because that's actually pretty good. I was worried. I had to think in my head. I was like, you doing this? Like, how well is this going to come out? Because I haven't tried. Yeah, anyway, I'm not going to make a second attempt. That's my first pass. A, a ruby the size of a tangerine. <laughs> Some man just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> yours, I actually like yours better than mine. But they're, they are goofing the heck off and, you know, putting off their report since they compromised, but then Francine reminds them that it's tomorrow. Buster here attempts a joke, but then the punchline gets cut off by his dawning fear. I wanted to know what this punchline was so bad. What do you call a moose with four antlers? Are you looking at me like you... I thought maybe it was some sort of like, you know, Buster says, you know, what do you call a moose with four antlers? Tomorrow! And I thought maybe that was... I thought maybe that was supposed to be the punchline in some really like... like next level joke. I think it was just like a nonsense setup, like in recess where they yeah. always used to go, uh, that's no kindergartner, that's my wife. You only hear the end of the joke. <laughs> you never hear the context. Okay. I don't remember that. Oh, it's like a running joke in recess. Whenever someone comes uh, upon someone mid-conversation, they're always telling this joke where the punchline is. Th- and then I said to them, that's no kindergartner, that's my wife. But you never hear the start of the joke. It's a, still so, funny, though. It's, it's a real so I says to Mabel I says. Exactly. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, so they realize they're just rifling through the uh, the art gallery catalog trying to find something. And it's uh, Arthur and Buster inserting themselves into various famous paintings. Yeah, apparently this art gallery is like the most legendary art gallery on earth. Because yeah. it has all the most famous works of modern art. Save for like the Mona Lisa. But mm. even then. Uh, or like girl with a pearl earring. Uh, some of these I didn't. I didn't take the time to look all of these up. But you know, some of these you know either by looking at them or by name. Like uh, one of them is uh, uh, the the farming couple. I mm-hmm. I, sh- I should know the name of that, but I don't. Uh, one of them is the Scream featuring I've, Francine. I've seen the Scream in real life. Oh, really? I don't remember which 
museum I saw it at, if it was the MoMA or if it was a different one, because I've been to a couple. But I do know that it, uh, on one of my trips to the U.S., I have seen the Scream. Interesting. I th- at least I, th- I think so. It might have been a while back. It might have been a different... Um, what is the scream? Is it a Van Gogh? I don't. Uh, I, don't uh, uh, I don't know if it's like a famous. I, I, I'm. I'm. I'm oh, that I'm almost certain of. It's a famous person, but oh. uh, 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 I have. I think I've seen the scream in real life. Uh, see, this this is going to be really random. It just reminded me that you know when I was young, I had Encarta '96, and there was like a section on famous paintings, and one of them was the scream, and I was mildly obsessed with it for a while because it was so. Scary looking. Yeah. That's like uh, me with the Drew Barrymore movie. Oh, oh, Scream? You were obs- obsessed with it? Not really, but I like that movie. <laughs> okay. The artist is Edvard Munch. Oh, okay. But I, 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 think, <gasps> I, I think I've seen it. That's... Not not to be confused with Robert Munch. No. There's a good line here. They go into the uh, the Salvador Dali painting, the one with all the melting clocks. Arthur says, what can we say about this? The buster says, Arthur, time's running out. <laughs> Ooh. That's that one's for the parents. The, the parents who know who, who, the works of Salvador Dali. We, we got jokes this episode. Jokes. Jokes and joke books. So their big, their big plan, which, I mean, this whole episode. Well, I, okay, I'll get into that in a second. Uh... Their whole plan is to say that as long as Binky doesn't get there to school, then he can't embarrass them and they can present their own report. Uh, so their plan is to call Binky and say that the school is closed. Again, Again pre- pre-internet. I was going to say pre-internet. Uh, yeah. but sure. Okay. Seinfeld. But also pre-internet of like you can't I am, you can't hop into Binky's DMs and let yeah. him know that school's canceled. Or Binky can't look it up for himself, obviously. Or or call the school. Well, he could call the school, but he probably won't. Uh, this situation is hilarious, though. The way this plays out, I was... I had forgotten... The, I remembered this setup, but I had forgotten the conclusion, and I was really pleased with how this goes. So Binky uh, asks why the school is closed, and Buster says, it burned down. And then Binky's like, all right. But he could see it from his, like... <laughs> For his window that the school is fine. He we get a cool there. shot. We don't actually see the school from that perspective that often. Yeah. Like off in the distance peeking out over the other Elwood City buildings. I thought that was a nice touch because they would have had to have drawn that matte painting specifically for the scene of yeah. Binky looking out his window. And then Buster Buster's follow-up is it only burned on the inside to which Binky's like, all right, nice try. <laughs> and if Arthur's, Arthur even comes to him like he hangs on the phone. He's just like, it only burned from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> so they get to school, and as they're getting there, uh, Buster says, uh, "What did you write for a report?" And Arthur's like, "But, but I didn't write it." So then they have to go before class and like just pick something from the catalog. They're doing a Frederick Remington painting, uh, and so they just have to write something. They basically have to plagiarize the uh, the uh, the guidebook. Arthur and Buster are grade A boobs in this episode. <laughs> like, they're just like, they come up with this dumb scheme to try and get Binky away from school. It fails. And they didn't even do the work after they had two opportunities to do that report. They are failures in this episode. You ever fraud your way through a report? I was just, I have the same question down here. I was going to say, have you ever done the last minute report? Uh, I, I, I did a last minute project. Uh, proposal in college, but the closest thing I've done is I once did a book report on a book I did not finish. Um, I, th- I, th- I think I've done that before. Uh, I did a book report in English class in high school on Joseph Conrad's uh, Heart of Heart Darkness, of Darkness just because I I knew enough about the greater themes and I knew enough about literature people have written about Heart of Darkness dissecting it that yeah. I knew how to write that in my own words and make it seem like I was really smart and had read Heart of Darkness. <laughs> uh, and of, of course, I've seen Apocalypse Now. I was, so was, was going to say, and then uh, the entire novella is bookended by Martin Sheen in a hotel, <laughs> punching a mirror and doing cocaine. Uh, every time I wake up, it's in Saigon. No, but, you know, it's very easy to be like, it's actually about man's true inhumanity yeah, yeah, towards yeah, man. Exactly. You know in, what? I, you know. You know the in, fraud. In conclusion, yeah, in, in, conclusion. Conclu- <laughs> in conclusion, Hearts of Darkness is a study in contrasts. <laughs> yeah, you know it. The teacher ate it up. Got a great grade. Absolutely. So absolutely. It was I, all good in the end. Hey, I got an English degree. I know how to BS my way through an education. <laughs> uh, last minute stuff. I don't have much of a memory for. I remember. I, apparently this happened many times. My mother told me in elementary school, I would like leave projects to the last minute and then I would freak out. And essentially my mother and my father would kind of do it for me. 
like mm-hmm. a, like a lot of like poster and like creative stuff. Yeah, always the posters. Same. I remember there was a lot of stressful poster nights up at yeah. 12 p.m., which was late at the time for a child. 12 a.m. Uh, exactly. Uh, so late I couldn't even tell what a.m. or p.m. it was. Right. But I remember a lot of late nights with a lot of broken glue sticks. Yeah. Just getting all sticky and trying to put those dang pieces of paper on a poster board. You run out of space, got to get a new one. Posters were more stressful than you'd think. Absolutely. One of kids still make posters that they just go to like, go down to the Staples and get a big old digital poster printed off. Who's to say? That'd be the savvy way to do it. I guess so. Uh, and then once I got into high school and university, my anxiety was built up to the point where like I would never let myself uh, be that late on deadlines. So you take the good, you take the bad, and you get my academic career. Uh so they basically plagiarize their the report from the uh, from the thing, and then uh, they go to present it. Arthur's reading it out, and then it, you know what? They would have gotten away for it, uh, with it too if it wasn't for that Francine who had the art the art book memorized. Francine narks them out. A true player hater. She's got a she's got to mess with someone else's hustle. They were going to get away with it and say, Francine's like, wait a minute, I've heard this before. Pulls out the book, starts reading along with Arthur. Um, and Miss Brine catches them. Arthur pres- should have shot her a look like, I'll remember that. Because presumably they, presumably Miss Brine would know that like if Arthur wrote depicted, <laughs> then it's probably not his words. That's true. That's a great detail. Like Arthur's stumbling over the more complicated yeah. words uh, as if he didn't read it or he's not uh, – fully processing what yeah. he's reading. Like he never did a run through of it. But then as they're as they've condemned themselves to failure, Binky steps up for his part of the the uh the project and this is awesome. Like <laughs> I loved this. The uh the montage of Binky doing his research and like going to the uh to the nth degree to get everything right uh as, and assuaging their fears was, you know, Binky he, he said himself, he, this part of our report took research. At the library, I got the addresses of museums and art experts. And he contacted some of them on the internet. Wow. Didn't use Jeeves to just look this up. No but, way. hey, he went the extra step. That's firsthand information or secondhand information, right? Pr- so. Probably did email contact. This is the time of popular culture when if you were talking about the internet, you were at a computer making dial-up noises. That's right. Binky was on Netscape Navigator. That's right. He went on GeoCities GeoCities.ArtExpert.cool or whatever. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, and then finally, he got a response from uh, uh, an art expert who sent him a VHS tape in the mail of the artist hanging up the painting the right way, which is the way Binky said all along. And turns out, Binky was right, and he did his research. Uh, so at the art gallery, I loved this. So they hang it up the right way, and there's a TV camera there, presumably with the news. No way would the art museum let this make air. <laughs> they What they would probably do is they would like... Like rebuff Binky and then in private be like, just change it, just turn it. Just I know I know what I said. I know what I said to the kid. Just turn it right side up. I don't know. Just, I could see it, it as a fluff piece. Like local museum thought they had the picture the right, right way. It might be different if like if it was like some jerk off who's just like eh, that painting sideways, <laughs> you know, just like talking out of his butt. But I still I still dubious that they would let this make air. And then Arthur and Buster do the right thing and give Binky all the credit uh, for what he did. Miss Brian appreciates that, but then they have to do their own. Uh, they have to do their own report uh, by the next day. So they have to find something again at the art museum. And they decide if that painting was sideways, something here is bound to be upside down because this art museum is run by fools. <laughs> All right. Uh, no word from us kids for that one. This is uh, that was the uh, end of that episode. We're just going to get right into the second one. Move briskly along to Arthur's Lucky Pencil. So this one is all about good luck charms. Good luck charms. And Arthur's talking about a few of them, including Francine's Lucky Socks, which we've uh, seen before with the holes in them and smelling to high heaven. Buster apparently has a stuffed bear he believes will give him special powers on tests. This whole little uh, uh, vignette is hilarious because Buster's like almost praying to this stuffed bear that's on his desk in school. And he's like, please, I want to pass. Give me an A. Give me an A. Give me an A. Give me an A. And he's like not doing the work, which is just like it's it's just a distraction. That's right. He's so busy trying to appease the bear that he's put nothing on his paper. Uh, What's oh, what was the name of in the SpongeBob episode? The uh, 
The magic conch. Oh, that's right. The magic conch. What should we do, magic conch? Nothing. <laughs> that's a great episode. Uh, and uh, Thor, Grandma Thora has her own lucky bingo dance with Mrs. McGrady. And uh, kind of getting all racking up all those B7s. Uh, and Arthur alludes to the fact that his lucky charm is somewhere in his room. Did well, he actually sets this up. What I really like about this intro is that usually Arthur is the one to poo-poo everybody else. And he's like, but the real, you know, friendship is yeah. the real treasure. But here he sets it up like he's going to say something like that. Like he's like, all those charms are silly. The real one, and I thought he was going to like give us some lesson, but he goes, no, is in this room. So... All other good luck charms are fake. It's only Arthur's that's real. Right, of course. Uh, did you ever have a good luck charm? No, luck is for fools. Oh. <laughs> I, I joke, but I, I never really had a good luck charm, no. I, I'm more likely to believe you. I used to believe in luck hardcore. Now it's more in the sense of like, you know, it's, it, it's happenstance. Sometimes we're, like things happen just... And I call it luck, but I don't believe in a supernatural force. I mean, it really... My belief in luck was shattered when I watched that ladder match between Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon, <laughs> and Razor Ramon walks under the ladder, and Shawn Michaels, oh, right. Shawn Michaels makes a, a, oh. a purposeful effort to not walk under the ladder. He goes, ah, 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 and walks around the ladder. Still loses anyway. Well, so okay, well, well, luck has been disproven. <laughs> okay, so, uh, True. Although you oh, could, I know what you're saying. Maybe. Well, I'm thinking it's like that was 1994. Seven years after that would be 2001. Uh, at the, uh, they both got some pretty bad. They luck. did, didn't they? They I did. Think that just even goes further to disprove. I think you know luck what is real because they know what, both I think you're right. ended up on the bad end of that. Stick. I, think, I think you're right. By the end of 2001, neither of them were in very good, uh, <laughs> very good positions. Uh, so the beginning of the episode proper is Arthur and Co. in Mr. Ratburn's class watching a slideshow about a f the fruit fly. Whereas in Mrs. Sweetwater's class, I didn't notice this. What are they doing? Reading a joke book. Again with the joke books. Did we really read them that much? The real I, joke is Mrs. Sweetwater's curriculum. Were we were we that yeah, really though. But like <laughs> were we that hard up for L A F F S laughs that we needed joke books? That's the, the, this, this the was, theme this was, of this episode. This is like prehistoria or something. And just you know, it's it's the most it's the lamest joke ever. I just like Stan says, our dog is like a member of our family. Fran says, oh yeah? Which one is he like? Oh, 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 but seriously, make up a joke of your own for homework. And like, ugh, these kids are ruined. You're ruining them. The ki <laughs> kids come in the next day. They're like, you guys ever noticed that, uh... Yeah. I was in the airport line the other day. It's yeah. kind of a crazy story. You know these people in the airport line, they take forever to take their shoes off? You know, you get so mad at these guys, they take forever to take their shoes off. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. You just want them to hurry up. You know, some guy goes on like a full like Okay, I, full you, you know what I thought you were doing? I thought this was like an actual bit that you were trying to workshop. No, I was I was running by the seat of my pants there. Gotcha. I was like, "Please gotcha. interrupt me, Will. Please. <laughs> please, I do not have an end for this bit." I don't I don't like to interrupt you, so I wanted to see where that was going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it could be just like, "Yeah, yeah you, you ever see this? You you notice this? Yeah. You notice this?" So Mrs. Sweetwater you're a big coffee drinker, right? You know what's this? You ever, you ever drink seen decaf, half-calf coffee? What, what What's up with half-calf coffee? Do they take the caffeine out? What's What's going on with that? Yeah. This is observational to the point of yeah. not being humorous. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just observations. Uh, so, so Arthur's the whole thing here is Arthur's running into a string of bad luck. Uh, first off, he and Buster are going to go uh, play with a sailboat, but unfortunately their day gets washed out with a sudden thunderstorm. Uh, Arthur wants to watch his program on TV, presumably Bionic Bunny, and does a coin toss with DW, which she wins. And I will say, very clever with her, Arthur tries to go two out of three. DW says, heads, but I've already won. But she still wins again, so yeah, for it sure. continues Arthur's stream of bad luck. And DW's choice is The Sweet Kittens Hour with your hosts Fluffy and Buffy. And it's just like this that froofy French music that they like to use every now and then. And just like, okay, what's going on in The Sweet Kittens Hour? I wonder if it's like a full hour commercial free or if it's only like 44 <laughs> minutes of kitten footage. Probably 44. Yeah, like, I mean, 
Unless it's public television, but I think that they would want something a little bit more educational in there. You would think. You would hope. In my mind, the Sweet Kittens Hour, it's like a Milo and Otis thing where it's just like a camera pointed at two kittens <laughs> and people doing voiceover. And hopefully, yeah, Without all the animal abuse. Without, without them going over a waterfall. Yeah, That's... without Japanese men throwing them at a sun bear. Oh, gosh. Then for dinner, it's fish sticks, and I couldn't take this. I, I'm with you on this. Usually we disagree about food in these episodes, <laughs> but I, I if you're going to say what I think you're going to say, I'm 100% with you. So Arthur's says fish sticks but dad i hate fish sticks and even when i was a kid i loved fish sticks arthur's a lame for make for hating on fish chips also because knowing arthur's dad i bet these weren't like frozen no. frozen fish sticks out of the box i bet he fried up this haddock himself probably so uh arthur you were lame for that one which is funny because like looking back on it fish sticks was one of my favorite uh, meals as a kid, you know, it'd be fish sticks, mashed potatoes, and broc and like broccoli or whatever vegetables, and uh, that was the best thing in the world to me. Now that's like one of the simplest dinners that I can make for myself. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, kids will eat anything, won't they? Uh, and but and then his dad says, "There's lots of creamed okra." I had to Google this. I had to look up creamed Okra's, okra. Okra's a root, so this would presumably be some kind of creamed casserole. So when you look up creamed okra on Google Image Search, yeah, I think it depends on the recipe. There's a lot of creamed okra that I was looking at. I was like, that doesn't look so bad. And then there was a lot of pictures where it's like, oh, that looks like human vomit. That looks so like, it, it really, looks like I waste. Think it, it really depends on the quality of the okra. Good, good point. And now that I think about it, there's a lot of different food in this episode uh and then arthur says at least there's dessert to look forward to and mom says well there would have been if not for a little accident and pal comes in the room and he's got i i freaked out here. i was gonna say this too it's like oh uh, we gotta get to the veterinarian yeah, yeah office because immediately because there's a ring around pal's mouth and it's all like brown colored and it looks like he was eating chocolate and i was like you didn't let him eat chocolate no he didn't no you didn't but uh, i mean presumably he's still alive but i don't know it must have been like, okay, so chocolate bad for dogs. Chocolate ice cream bad for dogs. Bad for dogs. Okay, this is bad. This is really bad. We gotta do. We gotta do. Something. What's brown and it's a dessert and it's not chocolate. Uh, brownie. No, that's no, chocolate. chocolate. Uh, and it's not chocolate. Uh, maybe it was like a gosh, caramel and it just seemed dark. It was like a caramel thing. You would think the caramel would probably be bad for dogs too. No, I think I don't think I don't think it's great for dogs, but I don't think it's like. It doesn't. Chocolate does a very specific thing to dogs, where right. it like uh, I, I I'm talking with knowledge I do not have here, but I think chocolate shuts down certain bodily function of dogs. Whereas like I don't think just a sugary caramel. I think that'd be it wouldn't be great for them. It wouldn't be optimal, but I don't right. think it would kill them in the way chocolate does. So Arthur has no dessert. He just has no no luck with uh, in in these days. So the next day, he's walking with DW on his way to school, her way to Grandma Thora's, and it's raining again. They have their uh, their rain slickers on. DW has her rain hat. Arthur nearly steps on a blue pencil with some kind of jewel, like some not a jewel, but like it kind of looks a little bit like a a jewel at the top of it. And DW says, "It's like an eyeball." Inside yeah, l- yeah, a little bit, almost like. Illuminati confirmed. Oh my goodness, I did not make that connection, but you're right, Will. We're blowing this wide open. George Soros is, he's got the pencils. They got a Google magic lucky pencil. There's hundreds of articles, people. Human animal chimeras. Human animal chimeras and their lucky pencils. We're talking about these these guys, these guys in Congress. What, what, are you, what are you talking what, about? What if the people of Elwood City are, are human they, are animal the chimeras? Human, the pigmen that Alex Jones was talking this is about. Like a, this is like some full metal alchemist stuff right here. Alex Jones they, loses custody of his kids and he has a press conference about Arthur characters and how they're real. These these horrendous man beast things that only want to die. Oh, okay. oh, oh. All right, moving oh, on. Oh, the chimeras are scary in Full Metal Alchemist. I, sh- I just want to make clear: Alex Jones did indeed bring up human human animal chimeras. Oh, I have no doubt. I have his, no doubt. Uh, his his press conference about losing his the custody of his kids bold and and then bold. when the cameraman laughed at him he said what you don't believe in human human animal chimeras this guy doesn't believe in human animal chimeras Google uh, hundreds so, of articles so as soon as Arthur picks up the pencil the day clears up. And uh, he leaves D.W. at Grandma Thora's. Uh, at first, he's talking to D.W. about how he feels like he's cursed. He said yes. such bad luck. D.W.'s got a great line where she goes, how could someone with a sister as cute as me be cursed? Yeah, she's got, she's got, uh, she gets to play kind of the, 
the almost the sage one to Arthur in this episode as he's kind of freaking out. The pencil's got its own musical sting when he picks it up too. Which yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's it, every v- time he very win- kind of wind chimey a little he, bit. It kind of comes back every time he uses it too. It's like oh, something magic's happened. Yeah, some very ethereal music. Uh, Arthur brings it to school. They have a surprise math quiz, and Arthur sharpens his pencil and gets down to it. Uh, then and the cafeteria, it's Boston Cream Pie Day. You said the earlier episode taught you what a compromise was. This episode taught me what Boston Cream Pie was, and I've actually wanted to have it ever since. The closest thing, it's kind of hard to get Boston Cream Pie here in Canada. It's not very common. Except. We have, we have Boston Cream Pie Donuts. That's it. Uh, but it's not really the same thing. It's no. the same filling. Uh, so that's the only experience I've had with Boston Cream Pie. I forgot to get it when I went to Boston. I got Boston's famous chowder, but I never, I still haven't had Boston Cream Pie to this day. And because of this Arthur episode, I've wanted to have it for all these years. The Boston Cream Pie looks really, really good. Mm, I'm, like, a, I'm a pie guy, so I like pie, period. Sure. So I'm sure it I almost would like looks Boston a little bit cake ish. You know, I looked it up. Boston Cream Pie is. Uh, uh, a custard or cream pie with a chocolate glaze. So mm. it is indeed a pie. I'd love to try it. And, and But unfortunately, one of the unnamed bully kids, I think one of the fourth graders, takes two plates and like leaves Arthur and Buster in the dust. But they get lucky because Mrs. McGrady just uh, is taking Boston cream pies fresh out of the oven, gives them extra big slices. Once again, Mrs. McGrady's accent kind of slipping in and out. And this one, she's just like, it's your lucky day. <laughs> Almost a, little, almost a little bit chimney sweep. It's your lucky day, governor. <laughs> anyway, it's kind of it kind of comes and goes. I've made enough Boston cream pies, Mr. Bruce. <laughs> You're not supposed to blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna take the Lamborghini then to get we're some Boston the cream pies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> That was good. Buster is the one to say, maybe your luck has changed because of the pencil. Uh, Arthur doubts it as he puts a coin into the uh, soda machine. Soda machine in elementary school, which these days would not fly. Uh, But it gets stuck, and Buster suggests to poke it through with the pencil. Not only does he get the soda he wanted, but it somehow hits every single one on the way down, and they end up getting like five free sodas of every single flavor. Uh, and uh, Buster's convinced that it's the luckiest pencil he's ever seen. Arthur says, besides, all I can get you is free soda. And Buster's just like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Very matter-of-factly. But then he, Arthur is convinced by the fact that the pencil gave him an A on the surprise quiz, which he wasn't prepared for. Then we get a little bit of a montage of... Uh, the friends, uh, the friend group using the pencil for various activities and being very good at them. Uh, although the exact nature of the luckiness of this pencil is kind of brought into question. <laughs> yeah, for es- sure. Especially with this first one where it's like there's some kind of uh, Schmalbert Schmeinstein type scientist doing a theorem in their class. And then Brain does the theorem with the lucky pencil and like, I don't know, proves it, disproves it, whatever it is. It solves it. Yeah. yeah, solves it. But wouldn't Brain have known that without the pencil? Well, the next one, like, it doesn't get much less uh, unclear because there's a part where Muffy's, like, trying to do her hair. Yeah, and uses and the pencil sticks, as, to stick it in the... To hold everything into yeah. place, I guess. And then she looks herself in the mirror and it's like, okay, good. And it's like, what did the pencil do? And then Francine uses the pencil for as a replacement drumstick, which... It's I mean, not I guess a good it's pretty, idea. No, that would not work. Uh, now that I think about it, that wouldn't work at all. One thing I like about this episode is that the mystical properties of the pencil are left unclear to the point where I think the moral is the pencil's actually not magic at all. Yeah. And luck isn't real, like I was saying earlier. Pretty much. Uh, luck is and so losers. all of this is in the kids' heads. Could be. Uh, so Buster use, uh, just needs to take it for a table hockey tournament. And then Arthur starts thinking about- Oh, right before that, Arthur uh, starts to think about like- um, uh, like the, I, actually, I think you were getting to that. Arthur's thinking about these imaginary scenarios yes. he could lead to with the pencil. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was uh, getting to. Uh, so the first one, and I think the more interesting of the two is. Yeah, I, I agree with you here because this brings all sorts of questions oh, up, especially considering our current political climate. You bet you, Bippy. So it's Arthur is the president, and <laughs> one of his edicts as president is to give $50 million to public schools across America so that Boston cream pie can be served twice a day to every child. So I assume this is an executive order he's signing. Yes. Uh, and my first question is, 
uh, where the I don't know if it's his secretary or who's handing this information to him. Yeah. But he says this will cost fifty million dollars are being allocated to the schools of America. Yeah. Where's that money coming from, Arthur? Did the pencil give you that money, or is that off the taxpayers' back? Because <laughs> I'm sure the taxpayers are going to be thrilled to hear you're putting 50 mil just to get Boston cream pie yeah, twice a day. Yeah, that's the real problem is that it's $50 million specifically allocated for a Boston cream pie budget. And this is like, we're, we're to assume Arthur takes office after Obama. But if, and well, if, no, this is Arthur probably taking office after Bill Clinton. Okay, but like, just oh, I guess he. If we're following, if we're following this linearly, which we certainly don't have to. Yeah. But all what I mean to say is, is that Arthur is either like he's either he's probably gutting. What was the thing that uh, Michelle Obama did for public schools of like the healthy eating initiative? Oh yeah, it's like Michelle Obama was like, oh you know maybe get some kale chips. Meanwhile, here in Canada, we were classifying pizza as a vegetable so it could be served in public schools. Yep. Remember when that was going down? Yeah, just like this probably just gutted Michelle Obama's healthy eating initiative. Just like, oh, by the way, here's $50 million for pie. <laughs> and then just like, well, America's obesity rate is going to quadruple in the next several years. Good job, President Arthur. And then his second one is him as a an astronaut fighting off an alien with a giant version of the pencil, which also functions which, as a laser beam. Yeah, that makes just about as much sense <laughs> as uh, allocating fifty mil for the the pies. I would love. I, I you know what? I would really love more cutaways of Arthur as president. I really oh, hope we I get know it. President Arthur Arthur West Wing. Yeah. He's got this bow tie. He's dressed like a car salesman, and he's he, the president. It, it's his like it's 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 his piano recital suit. <laughs> just <laughs> he's I, bigger. I didn't notice that that's a great detail but then we hear a snap from off screen and buster has accidentally snapped the pencil in two and that's he, right he was playing uh, pencil hockey yeah and pencil he was hockey. in the playoffs yes mirroring our own reality but i wonder if buster is the uh uh, he, he's the, the <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins of Elwood City in that he was winning, but he also severely injured his star, in this case, Tool, whereas Sidney Crosby would be the star player who was severely Buster, injured. Buster, the new GM of the Penguins, exactly. and Sidney Crosby is the magic pencil. Exactly! Sidney Crosby is the magic pencil! That's That actually, I just came up with that, but it fits <laughs> almost too perfect. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Uh, but yeah, and Buster absolutely just breaks down. Which, which, I mean, he is prone to do. He's prone to his emotional outbursts, but, like, he is inconsolable oh and sobbing. I loved this so much. Like, just his, like, gasps of horror where he's like, I broke the pencil. I'm sorry, Arthur. It's funny, like, because you can really, and, I mean, good, good performance here by his <laughs> voice actor. But what I mean is that you can see him, you can hear him back against the wall because just like, I didn't do it. I mean... It's not my fault. I mean, I'm sorry, Arthur. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how much of it is him actually feeling remorseful and him playing it up to be like, okay, if I really freak out, Arthur will know that I know I messed up here. I think he is. I think he is feeling very bad because he's just like, just like I'll have no friends. <laughs> uh, but Buster uh, Arthur forgives him, and I mean, look, just use both ends, man. Like it's. I know that it's. Oh, take the eraser end off. Well, no, no, like you can, there's the one with the oh. eraser, and then there's like the nub that you can still use. Dude, I never even considered that, but you're right. It's not like you lose pencil mass. No. You still have the same amount of pencils. In fact, Arthur could take pieces of the pencil, install in a new pencils, mass produce it, and now he's got a luck brand. Oh, it's, can... oh it's like that part in Death Note where they're like making the fake Death Notes and like <laughs> getting, they've got two of them, and they, oh man, that, except it's with a lucky pencil, and far less is on the line. I wonder if Arthur writes someone's name down with a lucky pencil, what happens? Whoever... Does it give them good luck? Oh, huh, maybe something positive. Well, actually, we're we're just getting to that. Uh, Buster, uh, so they... They sharp resharpen the pencil, and Arthur forgives Buster. There's this weird scene where Arthur is writing a letter to his pen pal, and he's writing it on the couch. But uh, DW is kind of coming up, just like, "What are you doing? Writing to my pen pal? I don't see any words. Well, I'm not pressing very hard, and just like I don't want, I don't want to wear down the pencil." And DW is like, "What good is a letter if you can't read it?" And Arthur says, "It'll bring him good luck. Besides, it's the thought that counts." Huh? Well, I think like he, I like I get it, I get it, but like, what? The the minuscule lead particles on the letter, 
uh, have some of that same luck juice. But uh, and the 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 line it's the thought that counts. I think is him just trying to get DW to go away. I think that's him trying to talk his way out of a corner. But it's just like, what if you received a letter from your pen pal and it just looked like it was blank? Because you look at the paper and there's like nothing written on it, and just like, huh, wonder why he sent this to me. Anyway. I don't know, man. When I had a pinball back in elementary school, I just sent them pictures of uh, that I cut out of Nintendo Power of Samus. Nice. And I don't think he was that into it because when our schools uh, got the pen pals together to all meet each other, he didn't really like me that much. Oh, so I, but that's too bad. But uh, in his defense, I was just sending him pictures of Samus with no context. I was just like, I like this. So uh, I, I don't think the, the pen pal would consider it too much. We just got a blank letter yeah, in the mail. Yeah, I guess like... Like if somebody was if somebody was texting me and just like pictures of Samus, I'd be like, okay, I get it, cut it, cut it out, cut it out. Uh, we get a little bit of a montage here, or n- sort of a montage, more of just Arthur marking down the nub of the pencil as it gets smaller and smaller. Which is a funny visual. Like I've never heard of someone doing such a thing of like doing those Rationing, little height charts yeah. for people, but instead it's for a pencil. Uh, Francine wants the pencil because the brain is creaming her a tic tac toe. And I'm like, all right, now like now that Arthur has been this permissive of the pencil, we're really starting to be frivolous with it. We're really... Hasn't Francine seen war games? The only way to win is not to play. Exactly. And But she gets mad at him because she won't let Arthur use the pencil and tic-tac-toe. I mean, what what's really on the line here that you need the lucky pencil? But Arthur's new edict is that nobody is going to use it, including himself. Francine proclaims Arthur is a luck hog. That's right. Uh, at the Sugar Bowl, Buster says that he should only use it in emergencies. This is so good. I love this. And then Arthur says, like if I was bitten by a snake or something. Exactly. <laughs> but then... Uh, the cashier comes along and says, are either of you boys interested in entering our milkshakes for life sweepstakes? And Buster looks at Arthur and he just goes, ha, 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 Arthur. Like, Buster's he, eyes are so expressive like in this moment. Like, like he starts tweaking. You, even though he doesn't say it, like, just like Arthur, we know exactly what Buster's thinking in this Well, how moment. could you not? <laughs> and, and then Buster, Arthur's just like, immediately just like, no, Buster. And then Buster reaches across the table and grabs him by the... Sh- by the shirt collar, just like, but this is an emergency! And Buster knocks over one soda in the process of grabbing Arthur, and in reciprocating his grab, Arthur knocks over the other soda, which is just such a great little thing. Uh, I appreciated that so much. But Arthur's Arthur's whole thing is that uh, if if he gives it to him now, then Arthur will never be president. Uh, and I thought here that because sometimes in media, you know, milkshakes and sodas are kind of called the same thing. So I thought maybe they were having milkshakes here, to which point I was like, why are their milkshakes green? But maybe they were just like lime soda. To me, they had caps on them. Yeah. So but that's some, the some milkshakes do. Like if you go to the, the freak lunchbox, they put a cap on your milkshake. Oh, I guess I don't really. I'm not a big milkshake guy. Oh, no, what are I'm you not, talking about? I'm not a big milkshake What are you guy. talking about? A root beer float, I'm with you. But a milkshake, I'm not. I don't, oh. I don't, I don't get out of bed for no my oh, milkshake. I, I, you wouldn't I, catch me spending five bucks on a milkshake. No siree, John Travolta. I, when it, every time I go to a restaurant, if there's a milkshake, I'm buying it. I will get out of bed for milkshakes. I. I love milkshakes. Dude, I never get, unless it's alcoholic, I never buy liquids at a restaurant. I find that's a good jip. <laughs> Give me that tap water, please. <laughs> I mean, look, you're not wrong, but just that's okay. Like, I I, I don't know if I ever would have guessed that. Cause oh, you, you know what? I, I lied. I buy coffee at restaurants Okay, sometimes. sure. All right. If I'm having a late night ahead of me, I'll get a coffee at a restaurant after my meal with my dessert, I'll get a coffee. What you say totally makes sense. I've just never heard anybody like admit to that. Yeah. Of just like I never buy drinks. As a kid, I'd be drinks. like, I want, I want Sody. Pepsi. Sody I want Pop. Fanta. Yeah. But uh, as an adult, where I have to pay for my own meal, yeah. I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah, that's right. Tap I'm... water will be fine. Gotta yeah. get that fluoride for my teeth. Exactly. I don't care what Alex Jones says. I always, I always, I always get at least water with my meal, and just like, yeah, a lot of times it's like, I don't know, do I really need soda, apple juice? Sometimes a chocolate milk if I'm in the mood, but it has, like as, as long as it's reasonably priced. And then Arthur decides that he has to hide. He, like he starts to get kind of paranoid. He's just like, I have to hide the pencil somewhere, somewhere so good that not even I will find it. Like he can't just go under his pillow. It's got to be somewhere where he can't find it. Again, he tries to get propositioned for the uh, for the pencil. Muffy offers him like gold coins of just like how much do you want. 
are they gold coins or are they copper pennies? Because they look a little brown. Yeah, they might and be. I was like, is Buffy offering Arthur five cents? She's lowballing him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then they are studying for a big history test. And Arthur is, you know, studying in earnest and then decides that, uh, you know, he says the rest is up to fate. But then he decides that it is important enough that it deserves his lucky pencil. But he goes back to the place he said he wouldn't hide it. And it's gone, he says, stolen. It was literally a place so good he wouldn't be able to find that. Like, how do you do that? How do you hide something that well? Unless Arthur is super forgetful. I haven't hid something that well, but I've, you know. No, but like. Forgotten where things are. Sure, but like how do you hide something on purpose that well? It's a a little little dubious. Uh, Arthur immediately suspects DW of having stolen it. She's got a great line here. Oh my goodness. I love it. When DW is the, like the more when, the more mature person, not even more mature, where like Arthur's got an A plot going on, and when DW like like interjects into it, she could not care less. Yeah, like I there, this has happened a couple times now, where like DW's kind of been above yeah. anything that Arthur's got going on that he's worried about. Like, oh, you know, people are gonna look at me like this. DW goes, what? And she's like hanging out with her imaginary friend. She doesn't care. Right. She just she just goes, what on earth would I want with that silly little thing? <laughs> uh, Arthur thinks that maybe she wants to be famous or have all the toys in the world. She clearly doesn't believe in this lucky pencil nonsense. Mm. And then su- suggests that Arthur maybe put it somewhere, to which he realizes he hid it so well that he can't find it. And it's he is in the throes of madness at this point just I'll never have good luck again ever I'm doomed and even goes into a little bit of a depressive state because the next day on his way to school I wanted him to tear up his room more like Orson Welles yeah. and Citizen Kane just trashing just knocking stuff yeah over. just like straight arm trashing it <laughs> uh, Arthur like really down the dumps like on his way to school he's just like why bother even going to school I'm gonna fail. I'm like, ooh, that's yeah. He's he's fully bought into like the idea that like the magic the only, properties, the magic properties of the pencil, and that was the only reason he was succeeding at anything. He's just like doing the test with a normal pencil, just like, oh, what's the use? So he believes himself now to be back to his unlucky self, but it does. It seems to be not so when they go to the cafeteria, and it's two Boston cream pie days in one week. To which Arthur uh, Buster exclaims, "That's never happened before!" And it's just like he goes to give Arthur a piece of pie. Arthur leaves, and he just takes both for himself. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, and gets his test back, and he and it's an A. Like he's even just like this must be someone else's test. It's an A. Mr. Reverend seems almost mad that he would like say something. He's like, "No, it's your test." Right. He's just like, "It's like, but how did I get an A? Perhaps you studied." I'm like, well, yeah, but. And then that's enough. To, and then that's enough to convince Arthur that that maybe the luck was in him after all. So then, at the end of the episode, Arthur and D.W. are taking out their trash in their respective rooms, taking it down to the garbage can. And uh, Arthur's telling D.W. that he thought that the pencil was lucky, but uh, but he really uh, he realized he doesn't need it. D.W.'s like, "Are you sure?" He's like, "I'm positive." And he's like, "Good, then I'll take it." And Arthur realizes he hid it in the bottom of his trash can, so it's right now on top of the trash. And the DW says, well, it looks like you don't need any more. Now I'm going to have all the luck. And then Arthur chases her inside and is yelling at her to give him the pencil back. And that's the end of that episode. All right, let's go back to Binky Barnes, art expert. What would you think? I loved this episode. Really? Love, love, love this episode. I really? Thought, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, um, it, Like I said all throughout, it, it had that kind of Seinfeld vibe, um, and I really like that sense of humor. And so I was into uh, all the referencing art stuff. I thought that was really interesting, and yeah. I, I don't get a lot of opportunities to think about modern art or uh, art history these days. So I thought that was fun. And I thought it was a great way of sneaking some educational value into an Arthur episode without actually doing it overtly. So some kids would see and they'd be like, oh, what are they referencing with this imagery here? And then maybe learn something. Sure. So I thought that was fun. Uh, I just, I, I was in to how much uh, Buster and Arthur were being idiots in this episode. Um, and I liked the way they were like playing off each other, sort of like a, a Tweedledum and Tweedledee of just like, oh no, what are we going to do? And they're like, neither of them have good ideas. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of into that dynamic. That's not really a role we've seen those two characters play before. Yeah. And so I thought that worked. And I liked how Binky was the most, um, uh, 
you know, he was the one with the best head on his shoulders yeah. and really the one who knew what was going on all along. I thought it was paced really well, funny throughout. I just, it was a really enjoyable episode for me. Also a lot of good art in this episode. It's an episode about art. So there's a lot of good colors and I like uh, the way they drew the museum and how it was sort of this giant facility. Uh, it yeah. all added up to a fun episode in my opinion. Okay. I really didn't like it. Really? I, I I might even say I hated it. Wow. I think uh, this is the most divergent we've been on an episode thus yeah, far. Yeah, probably. I Okay, so I will say the the thing I did like about it was that it is was kind of genuinely educational with all of the and like you said in a, in a kind of a subtle way, not too in your face with the uh, art references and hey, I did learn something from it. I learned what the word compromise was. That said, the rest of it didn't do anything for me. In fact, like uh, I felt that the humor it was nice, but it never really, like, Arthur has made me laugh, like, laugh so hard I've had to pause the episode. This didn't really make me laugh. I felt that the amount of cutaways got a little bit tiring after a while, and I thought that the central plot uh, was, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I get that we have to manufacture this drama in order for there to be a story, but at the same time, all you would have had to have done was talk to Binky, and he would have been like, I'm doing research on it. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, this really could have been solved, but they were just like, uh, 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 I think they knew, like, they knew Binky was trying to prove his thesis. They just didn't believe he was right in, in the beginning. But so. if they would have talked to him, at like, for any amount of time, then they would have... And but it, the reason they didn't talk to him is because they thought he was completely incompetent, so they didn't see a need to, right? That's well, where the but, misunderstanding But then it also, it also, in that vein, paints Arthur and Buster in this light of just mm. like, they really come across as idiots in this episode. <laughs> and I, like, if, if you're okay with that, then this episode's yeah. probably a lot better. I didn't like it. I thought that they were, like, idiots to the point of, like, uncharacteristically stupid. Uh -huh. And I really didn't appreciate how they were just worrying and worrying over this whole thing when it really could have been solved with something simple and it almost like made them feel like kind, kind of like jerks in a really subtle way because they're just like well, I don't want to talk to Binky he's just dumb he like there's nothing he could say that could change my mind I'm like well then that's your fault then all of this is entirely your fault and they just straight up like didn't like refuse to do the thing that they were supposed to do for the entire episode for no real reason. Like the night, like they were freaking out about how they had the project due the next day, but then they just didn't do it. And it just made them seem again, like idiots. And it, I, I just didn't appreciate how we had to have this drama by making characters stupider. Everything you're saying actually is making me realize more and more why I thought it had like a Seinfeld vibe right. because those characters are kind of inherently hateful yes. and bad people. And so to like like things like Arthur and Buster being like, oh man, Binky's going to make us look doofy, mega doofy, times infinity. Yeah. Like all the stuff of them kind of climbing over each other to be like, oh geez, like we're really um sort of being trapped in a prison of their own devices of worrying about Binky so much that they get nothing done. I don't know. I was kind of into it because okay. I think that's like uh, more so my sense of humor, but I can, I, I can totally understand where you're coming from in how you would think it's kind of betraying their characters yeah. and how it would turn you off. So I think both points are valid and it's interesting. I'm glad we actually, I feel like we've come to a consensus pretty close with some variation so far. So I think it's actually really interesting and uh, good that we have an episode we're so divergent on. For sure. Uh, Arthur's Lucky Pencil, I thought was okay. Mm. Uh, it's another one of those on uh, sort of ensemble episodes, even though the focus is more on Arthur. Uh, and like you said, I think Arthur, sometimes with Arthur, a little bit goes a long way. Like sometimes he is at his best when he's kind of a part of the ensemble rather than the main character. I didn't have a problem with him being the main character. And I thought the, the, uh, the whole, the whole, uh, subject of the episode was, you know, fairly interesting and led to some funny bits here and there and, uh, some really good, uh, voice acting, as I kind of mentioned before. Buster's the real MVP of that episode. Oh, for sure. Uh, but in the end, it kind of didn't, uh, it just didn't really, it's not It's not going to stick with me. It's not going to be one that I'm going to go back with, like, oh, Arthur's Lucky Pencil, let's watch that again. It's just like, yeah, right, that was okay. It's, it's a, a little, it feels a little disposable to me in that mm. sense. I agree. I think it's uh, I think it's totally fine. I think it's fun, actually. Sure. It's like an enjoyable episode to watch, just not super memorable, like you said. Um, there's some standout performances from Buster and EW as side characters in that episode. Yeah. I also think I really like the choice to make it unclear 
whether the pencil was actually lucky or not. Yeah, sure. That's sort of left up to your imagination. If you want to interpret it as the pencil actually had lucky properties or if you want to interpret it as all being uh, happenstance, I think that's a that's an interesting way to do that. And I think that's better than coming on either side of the fence in the end. Right. So I like how it taught that story. Um, and I, I like the ending to that episode and how it's left unclear. But yeah, I, I liked Binky Barnes, art expert, way more. All right. So there you have it. Another episode of Arthur is in the books. Real quick, before we move on to find out what's happening next week, uh, we have got ways for you to keep in contact with us. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Give us a like and follow us over there. At ECL Podcast on Twitter. Follow us there. And you can also follow us on elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. If you'd like to have your email read on the air or if you'd like to send us an email in general about what you think about the show, uh, anything in between, then uh, any of your creations or anything like that, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, the two ways you can listen to us, Elwood, uh, excuse me, soundcloud.com slash elwoodcitylimits. That really helps us because it helps us find out where everybody is in the world that's listening to us. And you can subscribe on iTunes. Leave a rating and reviewing if you have rating and review if you haven't yet please and thank you we really appreciate it and uh, subscribe to us over there okay next week we're kind of uh, getting into uh, I'm almost seeing a little bit of a pattern in these episodes we're going with uh, we're, we're we're done dealing with kind of more simpler concepts like in the uh, I are re- like relatively simpler I feel like the episodes plots are getting a bit more complex so next week it's DW the picky eater. Oh, certified classic. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is exciting. And Buster and the Daredevils. Uh, I'm realizing that um, more of the episodes I remember super duper fondly are seasoned later season than season one. Okay. Like, I think season one's a lot of setup. So far, like, these pa- past couple episodes we've watched, the Mr. Rogers one, these two, I have a much clearer memory of. Uh, and especially, I cannot wait to dig into DW the Picky Eater. It'll be interesting to see how this one shapes up when compared to season one. We've got our season one uh, retrospective coming up near the end of the month, so uh, look out for that as well. My name's Will Young, and this is the end of Elwood City Limits for this week. What's up, Lucas? Wish I had a shark. <laughs> All right, for Lucas Mancini, we're out of here. Elwood City Limits, we'll see you next time. <laughs>